0: Hey Warwick.
1: Hey Nicole.
0: Did you hear about the Italian chef who died?
1: <laughs> no, but I'm sure this is going to be good.
0: He passed away.
2: <laughs> Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts Warwick Didwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Was and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade, helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business.
1: Dear, oh dear. Now, I'm laughing doubly hard because of something absolutely inappropriate that shall not repeated on this, be repeated on this podcast during one of our tradepreneur sessions recently yeah. about uh <laughs> Italians and that's where i'm going to leave it so i was i was extra laughing that was actually pretty good he passed away oh one. dear
0: uh that's funny thank you shane and tony for bringing the tone down in a recent yes <laughs> uh, that joke was actually provided to me by shane's wife lara thank you lara that was a ripper.
1: ooh okay now i could take offense at that Coxie.
0: Could you?
1: Because I am actually part Italian.
0: Mm, Okay, but I'm Dutch and you make lots of Dutch jokes. So I think I have confidence to joke about.
1: I just use your Dutchness as explanation for your Dutchness. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I feel like that's slightly different, but maybe it's not. Maybe not. Anyway, um, speaking of discrimination. Mm Hmm. Here comes a TID nice, segue. <laughs> we have a guest sitting here patiently and very respectfully waiting to chime in and trying, I think, very, very hard not to laugh at our stupidity, not so much at our jokes. <laughs> Christy Lee, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. I feel like this is a conversation that HR shouldn't be hearing in <laughs> <laughs> There's a meme that says HR knows all the things. And, <laughs> yeah, HR knows all the things.
1: So your customers <laughs> said what? <laughs> yeah. And they're not our staff, so it's okay. We're not responsible. No. We've come Yeah. Christy Lee is joining us from, and I never know which business name to use here, because you have a couple. uh,
2: Yes, a bit of an identity crisis. Let's call it People Powered Business to keep
1: it easy. People Powered Business. And listeners, if you haven't figured it out already, Christy Lee is a HR ninja Mm. um, and has helped quite a number of our tradiepreneurs uh, and supported them with everything from simple stuff through to, I think, some of the more perplexing issues that – they come across in employing people, staff, which is a bit of a yucky name, I think, staff. It has a, I don't like the feeling of that word. I'm feeling a bit feely today.
0: I feel like it's something that you expect in, you know, like Upstairs, Downstairs, that old series, and all of the people <laughs> listening to this are going to be like, what is she talking about this time? Okay, I feel like staff old are, the, show. Yeah, the, are the people that help you run your house, think Down to Abbey or something. I prefer the word team because they are the team that support the business owner to reach the goal. So it's very much team for me. I don't like stuff.
1: True. So um, like anything to do, well, anything where government has a part to play in it or a, or a finger in the pie, there are often lots of changes around HR and what we can and can't do and what employer responsibilities are. And I used to have um, in a past life involvement with tax and finance and all very heavily regulated stuff through financial planning and everything. And I'm sure it changed. Every day I woke up, there was another change to legislation and provisions and all that sort of stuff. Is HR the same, Chrissy Lee? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I feel like uh, we're in a, a, a big period of change at the moment. Um, so you know, I did settle for a while, but it has been a, a constant changing. Uh, sort of landscape with more a lot of change coming 2023 is going to be a big year of change and it is to be fair really hard to keep up with because the communication around it is at best terrible and um, I know many employers really struggle to keep up with the changes because the information just does not flow particularly well unfortunately so yeah there's a lot of change coming.
0: Is it a bit like some of those other key areas in the trades where you know I think about State legislation and the changes to the building code, et cetera, we're deemed to understand whether we actively receive the information or not. Is employment law a bit the same?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, there's an expectation that as an employer you will know what you need to do and the only way to do that is to go searching. Hmm. And, and that that's really hard work for lots of employers because the information is all out there, but you've got to know what you're looking for and yep. that's half the problem. We, we don't know what we don't know with all re- all areas of business and is are no different.
0: I think the next step is too you need to know how to interpret it for you and your business, and that's something that I've always struggled with when it comes to HR oh. um, because there are so many varying laws about big business, small business, um, when it applies, when it doesn't apply. It just it, it does my head in. It gets very confusing. Oh. That's why we have you on our team to help us out. But my point is for, for a business owner and a trades business owner, generally a small business, it is really baffling Um, A, figuring out where to go. How do I find the information? How often do I need to be seeking that information? Because you could assume that these changes only come from time to time, so you might look once a year. Mm. But as we were discussing off air today in 2023, there are so many changes being staggered throughout the year. Mm. Unless you are proactively looking for that information, you're going to miss all of the good stuff that's essential for you to know so that you're not breaking laws. Um, And we've got two today that we really wanted to talk about that we thought were pretty topical I suppose in the trade space mm. but there's so many more to come as the year backs on like there's, yeah. there's a bunch more at the end of the year as well Christy Lee do you want to give us a bit of an overview of what is changing this year and then we can come back to those couple that we think are really topical at the minute
2: yeah definitely I think it helps to sort of zoom up and understand where the changes are coming from and why we're seeing so much change at the moment and the reality is we've got a new federal government uh, came into play last year and any time we change power of of which parties in government they're always just keen to put their own stamp on things their own flavour on things and this government of course is no different so when we move to a labour government from a liberal government the reality is we're moving to a government that is more pro-worker is going to really protect employees rights and that's exactly what these changes are designed to do so What's happened already is that there's been a bill that's passed through Parliament, so it's now an act. It's called the Better uh, Secure Jobs, Better Pay Act, mm-hmm. and just as the name suggests, they're trying to secure down jobs and improve pay for workers. So mm-hmm. all of the elements of that particular act are focused on that. And they've been very clear that this is just stage one of the changes Um, and there was a raft of changes that came within that Act. Um, There is expected to be at least two more rafts of changes make their way through Parliament throughout the year. What they're going to look like exactly is still unclear, but I think the focus will be really on improving the protections of workers and employers.
1: Christy Lee, does that imply that they're unprotected at the moment?
2: No, I, I don't. It might imply that they could be more protected, but I think really in Australia we have very strong workplace laws. And there have been, well, the Fair Work Act came in uh, 2010, so it's been around mm-hmm. quite some time. And the whole intention of that change was to pull apart the various state based legislations and have one national system. And I think that intention was ideal because it's, anyone that was operating businesses across states knows how complicated that was. And we've got over 120 modern awards that cover almost every employee across any business in any sector. Those awards are very prescriptive about what can and can't happen. So I think employees were already very well protected. Um, this just seeks to go even further with some of, I guess, the loose ends around you know, contracts uh, and certainly improving employees' pay packets. We saw you know, one industry get a massive, I think it was 15% increase recently. Not trades related. Don't panic, but, um, <laughs> but various, you know, low-paid industries. I guess you would say are, are the focus of some of these
1: changes. Oh, well, that won't affect the trades then, because none <laughs> of them are low-paid industries at the <laughs> moment.
0: <laughs> I, I imagine that those awards. The did you say there's 120 of them? Must be Over 120
2: riveting reading. <laughs> really fascinating. I love it when they do an update. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you've chosen a very complex field to be working in, Christy Lee. It's um. Hard to gather that information and, as I said earlier, then to try and understand the information. I know at the beginning of the year there was a change um, to the domestic violence space and accessing leave for um, ting. Do you want to talk us through that?
2: Yeah. So one of the big changes that uh, has come into play is uh, the implementation of paid family and domestic violence leave. Mm. So that is already in play if you employ 15 or more employees. Uh, it kicks off in August for our smaller businesses that employ 14 or fewer employees. Mm. Um, and this is just an additional leave entitlement where mm. we had already in the Act, um, in the Fair Work Act, five days unpaid mm-hmm. family and domestic violence leave. This is now moved to 10 days paid leave every year. Okay. So it is an additional leave that an employer must you know, account for and be prepared to pay. It's paid leave. Interestingly, with family and domestic violence leave, it's 10 days per year for everyone. Casuals get this, which is very unusual. Casuals don't get any other form of paid leave. It's not prorated for part-timers. They still get the full 10-day uh, accrual. So it's 10 days per year for absolutely everyone on your team if they need to access the leave in order to deal with and domestic violence matters that can't be handled outside of work hours. So this is for things like obviously needing to relocate, needing to seek professional advice or medical advice or attend appointments. Um, If it can't reasonably be done outside of work, they get access to this leave. And it's an interesting one. It doesn't accrue as soon as it applies or as soon as the new employee starts with you, they've got their 10 days and every year it just pops back up. So if they've used two days, it will top back up to 10 days, but it doesn't accrue beyond that. Sure. Is there specific um,
0: reporting
2: or, you know, how can they access that leave? So they have to apply for the leave just like any other type of leave. Obviously, as an employer, you will have an obligation to maintain confidentiality around them accessing that leave, but it is accounted for just like any other type of leave. So there's no reporting requirements back to the government or anything like that, but it will be evidenced in your payroll system, Okay, leave access.
0: And is it something that can be accessed to assist, let's say, um, you know, you had a father working for you, the daughter was um, needing to access that for for her own self. Is he then able to access that leave to support um, what is required there or is it only for the
2: person that's within that situation? Yeah, that's interesting. It's not particularly well articulated yet and I think we'll see the wording refined, but in essence for certain circumstances, supporting a direct family or household member in the need to, let's say, relocate really like very suddenly, yes, the family member will be able to access
0: it for that purpose. Mm, very interesting. Okay, you've already uh, made me want to sign up to help <laughs> <laughs> Christy I wouldn't know when it's applicable. I would find it really, you know, that particularly is one that I don't want to step into the murky waters of doing anything incorrectly. I want to be mm. able as an employee, employer to ensure that my team are supported in those key areas but I don't necessarily know how to do that. So I require assistance in that. And I think some of the other things we're going to talk about today are also blowing my head apart. I don't know how to navigate the waters with those. Would you like to talk us through a couple of the other changes?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess one of the other big changes that is already in effect is um, the ban on pay secrecy clauses in employment contracts, which is really interesting. So most of us have signed an employment contract in our lives and certainly given our team employment contracts that say, your pay is confidential, you can't discuss it with anyone except you're a financial advisor. I would say there would be a clause like that in almost everyone's employment contracts, certainly the ones I was writing for people up until December last year. Um, And I think from a business perspective, they're in there for good reason. I have no personal issue with them being in there. I think it protected the business interests. Those clauses are no longer allowed. So if you're issuing employment contracts now, if you've issued employment contracts since the 7th of December, 2022, I'd be just checking to make sure that clause has been removed. It's usually only one line, and it's usually in the remuneration clause. If you're using a template of some sort, just make sure it's out. Mm-hmm. Um, from June, they're going to start finding businesses who have got these clauses included in their contracts, and they are definitely increasing the fines. Uh, the exact figures yet to be confirmed, but it, they, they'll be significant fines to an employer. So from a protection perspective, just get them out of your contracts. If you need to reissue new contracts, just do it without that clause in it. And as part of this as well, this is giving employees rights to just openly discuss their salary. So not only can you not have that clause in the contract, an employee now has a, what we call a protected workplace right, which basically means they're allowed to, um, talk about their pay with anyone that they like, which might include colleagues. It might include other tradies from other businesses at, at the same work site. Uh, where people are working, they also have a right to ask others about their salary, which I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Of course, you don't have to disclose your salary if you don't want to, but people have a right to really openly talk about their salaries and not only the exact figure but how that figure is formed, like I'm getting a ute as part of that package and a ute is worth X dollars or I'm getting this much money for working this many hours. Any of the details that form how that that remuneration package is, you know, you know, customized, they're allowed to share that information. So you oh, know, work sites could get chatty. I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: uh, I'm going to be very quiet this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> I'm prone to a little bit of uh, social commentary and old man, old grumpy old man syndrome. Is that it? Uh, I I just. I think I see where these things are being driven from in terms of um, social equity and those sorts of very noble um, intents. And unfortunately, being a grumpy old middle-aged man, <laughs> I've seen the government have a crack at these sorts of things over the last 30, 40 years. And invariably, whether it's tax, whether it's HR law, um, whether it's you know traffic law, it doesn't matter – where they try and stamp out a particular practice, mm-hmm. it, it has a side effect. You know, it's like taking a medication. There's side effects. And unfortunately, I've seen lots of those side effects become a bigger problem than the one they were trying to solve in the first place. So... I don't know, I'll reserve my judgement and I've just gone and made social commentary anyway. Sorry, Christy Lee for hijacking your uh, update. I,
2: um, I completely agree with you. I'm not a fan of this change at all from a business perspective. I think top performers should be rewarded with high salaries and if someone's performing really well, I don't want a situation where I have then three other people in the same role coming to me saying, why aren't I getting that money? And Then I've got to have a conversation, well, you're not really performing at the same level.
1: I think it's going to hurt those those who deserve a reward. I, I think I that's what's going to happen is we're going to end up with a lowest common denominator scenario where, you know, I know as an employer myself, um, and I'm, I feel like I could probably speak for a bunch of our listeners, mm-hmm. I'm not going to give the great guy or girl a ute because everyone else is going to find out about it and they're all going to expect a ute as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not going to give it to that person and say, look, sorry, mate. But if I give it to you, I've got to give it to everybody else. And I can't afford that. Small business, again, is going to get fingered for carrying the can here. But
2: I think it's going to be really challenging. I think there's going to be lots of... Like you said, you know, follow-up issues. Um, I've already seen businesses start to talk about putting pay scale kind of systems in, even in really small businesses, which feels way too complicated for what a small business should have to do, which means there's always a cap for any particular position Mm. because you're creating a range where it might be, you know, 60,000 to 80,000 performance-based, obviously. But even then, it means your top performers know there's a cap. So that doesn't inspire excellence. It doesn't inspire going above and beyond so we're going to have to get really creative about how we're motivating people how we're rewarding people but yeah
1: it's cuddles we can just give out cuddles
2: (laughs) i give cuddles i'm not sure our
0: team like my cuddles
1: (laughs) (laughs) mainly because they're virtual cuddles i think
0: (laughs) i think i do think there's some positivity here in being able to proactively have these conversations now I think, you know, we do have and the trade space. I think this is really important in the trade space because we have such a variety in the way people are paid. Nobody is generally paid to award unless you're an apprentice or maybe even your first year out of trade. But generally you're paid the market rate. and market rate varies depending on your length of experience or how good you are at your job, just as we're talking about here. So it becomes a very topical conversation, of course. I think if we are working on... Um, We call it our people management system here at Tradies and Business, and that's more than the law, the stuff that we talk about with you, Christy Lee. It's more about what we can do as a team to create the outcomes that we require. And I feel like we have that opportunity now with this knowledge and knowing that this is now very important and everybody's able to ask those questions, we can proactively build our team. We can proactively engage them in these conversations in a positive way instead of mm. what could be a negative way. Instead of mm. everybody sitting around at Smoker and having a chat when the boss isn't there about, well, I get $42.50 an hour, or well, I get $39 an hour. Rather mm. than, you know, allowing that to happen, do it positively and proactively. And maybe there's some less complex ways of um the team understanding how each person is paid. Uh, rather than pay scales for example but maybe there's some less complicated ways you can set that up that structure within your business so that we your team all retros- or collectively sorry understand how they can step up to that next level mm. what must i do or mu- what skills must i have to be able to attain that next level of pay okay. so whilst i feel like overwhelmingly, this has the potential to be very negative for small business. I feel if we are informed and we're working proactively, we have the opportunity to create a positive out of what could be very negative. Plus it also means that, you know, there are tough conversations happening in other business, which means there are other players in the field looking for somewhere to work that we haven't had for the last 18 months. Mm -hmm. really going to start to level out what the playing field looks like and, again, that's positive for small business.
2: Yeah. We're already starting to see the, the pullback from the, the tightness mm-hmm. in the market. We're starting to see more people come back into the market, um, mm-hmm. higher application numbers across the board in lots of different spaces. I'm certainly seeing it in apprentice, apprentices, mm-hmm. um, but even in the skilled roles, mm-hmm. we're starting to see a reverse in that trend, which is great.
1: Hey, Tradies in Business was here Sorry to interrupt your listening pleasure. I'm joined by Coxie, of course. (laughs) Hello. You may not know this tradie or tradie wife or whoever you are listening to this program, but we're business coaches. (laughs) Oh oh my gosh, that feels weird to say. (laughs) (laughs) But we do actually work with people just like you to solve a bunch of problems. And we have this fantastic program called the Tradiepreneur Program. And that's how we do it. And we do it with a wonderful community of trade business owners who are all trying to fix or improve or change things to progress.
0: Things like getting behind on quoting Coxie. Feeling overwhelmed, behind on your invoicing, feeling really stressed or frustrated about the money stuff. Sometimes you can pay the bills. Sometimes you can't. What about staff? Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, staff. Trying to get them to do what you want them to do. If you can even find them in the first place. Uh, there's so many struggles
1: and we've seen clients tackle these things in their trade businesses in a quite a short space of time, to be honest, Mm -hmm. during the program and recruit staff at a time where everybody was saying, you can't get good staff, Mm -hmm. improve their quality from their team, collect their debts much more quickly. We
0: have sessions.
2: We are not worried about money. We've got enough money in the bank to pay everybody's leave. There's work booked in for the new year. And for the first time in a long time, we'll be having three weeks off and not worrying about the business. That's probably the biggest win of all. Using the cash flow forecast, I've been able to look into the future and see where I'm gonna be situated financially. And it's actually started to have a huge bearing on whether or not I make purchases. By far one of the best things about working with Nick and Woz are the other businesses that are working alongside them. It is amazing how empowering it is to be working alongside like-minded people who have similar goals, similar troubles. We can all relate to each other and everybody helps everybody out by figuring out problems with you that they may have faced previously everybody has solutions and constructive feedback and it's an incredibly friendly warm welcoming environment not threatening at all.
0: From every job I know that I will get a sustainable wage that's industry leading I can have at least 10 to 20 percent profit and I can pay taxes super all of that and I do not have to question whether or not I can because of the way that it's been built and that is thanks to traders in business and what they've taught me and what I've learned.
1: So there you go. There's some real people. We did not pay them to say those things. (laughs) And I think that sounds a lot better than Coxie and I reading them out. We really would love for you to check out more about how you could take your trade business to where you would like it to be. Surely you have a vision of what things could be like or what you wish they were like on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that is reducing stress or actually making more money, maybe it's spending more time with the family, taking more holidays, having the choice Mm. that you really wanted when you started your business instead of this beast that seems to be there for many of you listening to this program. So if... You want to find out more about how we do this through the Tradepreneur program. Coxie's going to tell you all about it. (laughs)
0: free.
1: That's how abundant we are. So head over to the website, uh, check it out, book a chat with us, and we'd love to find out if you'd be a great fit for the Tradiepreneur community and start hanging out with some of those people that you just heard from. Fascinating to see how far this uh, extends. And, uh, you know, I joke about being a grumpy old man, I suppose, in some sense. I just worry for small business because... Yeah, you know, GST that hits small business the hardest. Um, you know, all of these things that have been brought in, generally small business end up carrying the burden of the changes um, mm-hmm. because they make up such a large proportion of the taxpayer base in Australia, um, and they're the ones that end up funding all of this stuff or driving the change. You know, all the industrial relations stuff back in the nineties uh, saw the same thing. You know, that mm-hmm. was had these unintended consequences. And I agree with you, Coxie, I think the big opportunity for, well, certainly for those of you listening to this podcast is you're obviously relatively proactive as a trade business owner, is to turn this into an opportunity, as Nick said, and I think um, reward will have to become non-financial even more as we go forward, and I think we see that. And you, you, I suspect, would see that, Christy Lee, with the younger generations, they're Yes, they want the money, but they're looking for more than that. They want contribution, purpose, they want flexibility. And some of those things are going to have to be ways that if you're an employer, you use those to reward people other than money, because otherwise I think we risk basically having a commodities market where we might as well just publish wage rates on our front door Mm. and employees will just shop around for the best dollar figure.
2: Yeah, and that creates a whole range of cultural issues in your business too. If it's purely money-driven, there's a range of issues that come from that. But we know the, the, the fact is in terms of engagement and motivation, if people aren't intrinsically or internally motivated at work, all the external stuff doesn't matter. You can throw all the gifts and all the rewards in the world at them and it almost feels like you're having it thrown back at you because they don't appreciate it because if they're not internally driven, intrinsically motivated is the technical term, None of it matters. So, And you're right, these new generations, uh, younger generations coming through workplaces, they're not there to build a career. They're there because they this is part of their life. Mm-hmm. And their life is complicated and has lots of different angles. They may have a side hustle as well as a job, as well as studying, as well as giving to causes. Mm. That is the generation that we're dealing with. And for them, connection at work, feeling that they are tied to something bigger, think, feeling like they're contributing in a different way to the world is way more important than anything else. Yes, they want to be compensated appropriately for the work that they're doing and their expectations do seem high to most of us that came into the workforce earning pittance by comparison, <laughs> but that's just the market. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's right. It's change. a changing
2: space. We were only talking this morning about the
0: um, the way business has changed full stop and, and the opportunity to create business and how our kids are creating businesses in areas that didn't even exist when we came into the market. And I can only begin to imagine with these changes, shifts in AI, et cetera, um, what's going to change over the next 10 to 20 years. Mm. And it just means that as a small business owner, we need to be on the forefront of the change. We need to know about these things before they impact our market so that we can have that opportunity to be proactive instead of being stuck behind the eight ball. And it's not hard to create that change within your business in terms of giving them something else to focus on, giving, you know, being connected to your team, having goals within your business, not just for your business but for your individual team members and creating pathways so they can get where they want to go because, let's face it, Mm -hmm. they're not going to hang around forever. Exactly. instead of being frightened of that, why not embrace that opportunity as a business owner to support somebody with their own personal goals so that you get the best out of them while they're part of your team. Mm Yep, that's what it's
1: all about. All right, from one exciting change, uh, hit us (laughs) with some of the Some of the others coming through,
2: Christy Lee. Oh, there's more. There's so much more. Um, One of the other key ones, uh, and this is a slightly separate piece of legislation uh, but does interact with this new act, is what we're calling the Respect at Work Act. Mm -hmm. And this is around changes to how we manage and prevent sexual harassment or sex-based discrimination Mm -hmm. in the workplace. So the key change here is that as of now, it came into effect in February Employers have what we call a positive duty to actively prevent sexual harassment or sex-based discrimination at work. So before that, we had a responsibility to act and react if Mm -hmm. there was an incident in our workplace. We actually now have to take positive measures to prevent it. This is going to be a really interesting area to watch because Mm -hmm. there is no definition about what positive duty looks like and what The experts are currently saying, the lawyers and, uh, you know, the interpretation experts is that that's going to look different for every business because Mm. a small tradie business with three staff members, their positive duty will look very different to a large corporate with 3,000 employees. Mm. They're going to be expected to do a whole lot more at that level. But for most of us small businesses, it's about understanding that we have an obligation to be proactive and it's probably going to mean making sure we've got the right policies doing some training with our team in even in a toolbox talk kind of setting where we're talking to them about what is harassment what isn't harassment what is discrimination it's not discrimination so that we've got a base level understanding and, and setting a standard that it's not acceptable I and mean, if you become aware of it this is the process so at the very least it's going to involve some policy and some training and some procedure mm-hmm. and then you know if you've got a bigger business it's going to require more than just mm-hmm. that so it's not particularly clear what the expectation is but we do have an expectation to be proactive in preventing it rather than just reactive and dealing with it.
0: Okay I feel like I wear two hats here I wear the small business owner hat that thinks holy moly this is really grey and I don't understand how I'm going to put it in place and then I wear the woman coming into construction hat 20 years ago where it was very needed and required you know we were very looked down on there was no little opportunity things were quite tough so I can see both sides of the coin here and I guess my issue is that grayness not knowing how to again proactively implement this into my business to ensure that we are being fair for everyone now this I think it's important we typically think of the um, the role of ladies and I've even just spoken to it quite frankly about late women coming into construction and yet this can happen the other way I've seen it happen the other way. I have seen women, and even in the conversations I observe online in groups and things, um, the way the conversations go around men or specifically young men and trades is one of those key areas where I see it quite frequently. Mm. There is another side to this coin. So I think it's really important that we understand that this could be either way. It's not one way or the other, it's both. Mm-hmm. And that as employees, we need to be proactive. And it can be. I think the suggestions you've just given, Christy Lee, are brilliant. They're, again, reasonably easy to implement. Mm-hmm. Documenting them, of course, is going to be the most important part of this so that it doesn't just become hearsay. Look, here I've documented in this toolbox talk. Everyone signed off. We spoke about X, Y, Z. Um, and then having those policies updated, another area I always struggle with myself. This is, again, where I need you to come <laughs> and help us create some policy. But, you know, then they're not hard changes to make but you have to be proactive to be able to yeah. make them and do it well in a way that it feels okay for everyone on your team. It's not um, isolating someone just because of the languaging we use around it or the way we speak to our team about it.
2: Yeah, and this will broaden out as well in terms of a discriminatory basis to uh, inclusivity in the workplace and making sure there's no discrimination no matter, you know, how people are identifying in terms of their status. So it it's certainly going to, you know, be quite broad, but the simple things are where you start, especially as a small business. If you don't have a and harassment policy that covers sexual harassment, that's your first step. That's number one. And you can, there's, you can buy templates. You can get an expert to write them. There is lots of ways to get that document. Um, doing some training, talking to your team about it, recording that you have spoken to them about it. These are the two fundamentals I would be starting with. Mm.
0: They're not hard. And
1: All right. So we're... Uh... We're kind of on the gender train. You want to stick with these in terms of more (laughs) updates that are coming, Christy Lee?
2: Yeah, look, this is an interesting one. (laughs) We'll we'll stick to this topic. But this, look, for most of your audience, most of our smaller businesses, this won't apply. But if you are listening and you do employ 100 or more employees, you're going to have an obligation to report your gender pay gap in your salaries to a government department in the next month, I think it kicks in. So we're going to actually have data that is being reported to the government that details gender pay gap. So if you employ two, uh, you know, site managers, Mm -hmm. one female, one male, you and you employ more than 100 people, you need to report their salaries. So the government has an idea of the actual gap. So it's an independent government body that's been established to look at all of this. The gender pay gap is obviously high on the agenda for this government. They've made that very clear. Um, So that is another element if you are a bigger business but for our smaller businesses you don't have that obligation at this stage to do that
1: report. I love that, at this stage
2: you you never know (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: All right, so and I think we've lost Coxie at this point which is kind of ironic Um, (laughs) so as the man here I'm just going to step in and take over Christy Lee and run the podcast that's (laughs) uh, that's unfortunate isn't it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or she's just overheated and uh, hung up to go and swear and rant. Um, what are some of the other uh, – so we've talked about the pay secrecy, um, sexual harassment, uh, gender pay gap. Uh, what are some of the other changes coming through that our, our trade business
2: listeners should be aware of? There's probably two other changes that I think um, tradies need to be aware of. One is around fixed term contracts. So these are the contracts where you sign someone on like a permanent employee, um, but for a fixed term, like 12 months, six months, whatever the case might be. Quite often, if you're using those contracts, you're using them because maybe there's uncertainty or you're just hedging your bets in terms of permanency and what we Often tend to do when we're using those contracts is continue to roll them over. Now this is you—it's a—it's a problem we see in government a lot, um, but it certainly happens in smaller businesses. I've got clients that use these contracts regularly because certainly through COVID as well, the future was uncertain. Um, and there was a little bit of, of question marks. So these fixed-term contracts are, again, part of the secure jobs component that the government is um, trying to you know, really secure down jobs. They're trying to minimise the use of these fixed-term contracts. Mm. So this change won't take effect in December, so you've got a bit of time, but for any new contracts that come into place after the 7th of December, I think the date is, it's a maximum of two years, and that's it. You can't extend the contract beyond that. You can't do any more renewals of that contract. You can't call it a different thing and give them a new contract when it's with the same work. They're really looking to minimise the use of those contracts. So if you are wanting to lock something on a fixed-term contract, and get it done before the 7th of December is definitely one approach. And just be aware you're not going to be able to use them in the same way that you have been. Again, this is a security of jobs scenario. So that's a change that is coming in December.
1: I think that's fascinating and and somewhat hilarious. Uh, So my wife uh, has been in healthcare for the last, I don't know, eight years or something and uh, worked in public health in a public Mm -hmm. hospital. And they used uh, fixed-term contracts, just like a revolving door. And so people just had no job security because at the end of it, maybe they got rolled over, maybe they didn't, maybe they got shuffled off somewhere else and, People would find themselves without a job after two and a half years because like, yeah, we're not renewing your contracts. But I've been here two and a half years and they weren't subject to any of the usual notice periods and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, government's doing one thing. And (laughs) And, and, and teaching
2: is the other area that's absolutely mad on fixed-term contracts. So mm, I know teachers that were in contracts for six years that were rolling, rolling, rolling and suddenly gone. So um, it's interesting. So, yeah, I think it is a... An issue that's going to impact government agencies and and those bigger businesses more. Um, <laughs> but if you're using them, you just need to know that that's going to be off the cards. Yeah, yeah. There are some exceptions though, which I think is important for traders to know about. Apprentices can be on a fixed term contract still for their period of their apprenticeship. Um, yeah. If there is, you know, a need to have that, you know, very fixed term period, like in an apprenticeship and a, or a training contract of any sort, they will still be no problems.
1: Okay. Um anything else, Christy? I mean this is such an exciting episode for our listeners. They're probably all just <laughs> opening bottles of whiskey and wine as we speak. Like, oh we needed
2: gosh, to send wine to ridiculous. all the listeners, okay. but yeah.
1: Send wine. You know, in case of emergency, break glass.
2: <laughs> well, I've potentially saved the best to last, and this is changes coming in the enterprise bargaining space. Now, training businesses, building and construction specifically, do have some protections here. But broadly, this government has an intention to try and push as many employers and therefore employees into enterprise bargaining agreements as humanly possible. That is, affects their intention. So the first round of changes are coming in June to this space, but I do believe we'll see more. And the key is they're making it easier to form enterprise agreements, um, which if you're using enterprise agreements is great because they are hard work and that's why I don't recommend them a lot of the time. But if you are not using enterprise agreements, there is going to be a whole range of ways that multiple businesses can come together to form multiple employer enterprise agreements. And this is where I see things getting particularly complicated and challenging for some businesses who potentially didn't want to be involved in this and are forced to come to the table and participate in bargaining. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting. We're doing a lot of learning about it because it is extremely complex. There's four different streams to the enterprise bargaining framework under this new range. The intention of one of the multi-employer bargaining sort of you know realms is to improve standards for lower paid workers so again not going to impact tradies this is for um you know lower paid workers in health care in the care sector you know childcare, those kind of things um in those cases unions will actually once a multi-enterprise agreement's formed they'll be able to loop employers in that didn't want to borrow it in the beginning and they will not have a choice and they'll become part of that agreement that's mind-boggling to me, um, mm-hmm. but there is other avenues that, you know, a group of, let's say a group of plumbers got together and wanted to form a multi-enterprise, multi-employer enterprise multi enterprise agreement and their employees were also keen on that, that is going to be a possibility under these new laws. So it's a very different landscape in terms of that potential. Um, I see it where we might see situations where bigger businesses who want to bargain because it is in their interest trying to get smaller businesses who may not want to bargain involved in the process. And I think we're just going to have our wits about this because if you're an employer that's not worked in this world before, haven't been involved in enterprise bargaining, it can be really daunting, it can feel really scary, and if you turn a blind eye to it, you might find yourself in a situation that you don't want to be in.
0: Okay, I'm going to speak really plainly and, frankly, and it's probably going to get me in trouble and I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) How big a role are the unions going to have to play in this? (laughs) They're and, rubbing their hands together. Oh my speech. goodness, aren't they? <laughs> and what does that mean? I'm I'm I feel quite concerned about this for small business
2: owners. Yeah, um, I feel particularly concerned. Unions have had a period of time where they've been looking for what to do with themselves, I think. Yes. Uh they're not anymore and um, already seeing massively increased union activity. In fact, some of the unions have been in, in some bother with the Fair Work Commission because of the tactics already. We have also seen a number of union officials appointed to the Fair Work Commission. Oh, um, fancy that. Yeah, <laughs> interestingly. Jobs for in the boys. In recent weeks. So, um, yeah, watch this space. But, yeah, I'm I'm concerned. If you are concerned about union activity in your workplace, there are rules around what they can and can't do, despite what they might tell you. So um, you do want to keep an eye on it. This also comes down largely to the culture. We find that yeah. unions become they can attach themselves very quickly into businesses that have cultural issues where the staff are unhappy and are looking for someone to support them. And it doesn't take much. I mean, I I remember working with a business in construction. They were doing telco construction some years ago. They had one employee who just had a problem with everything and it was a merge of three companies. It was very complicated and this guy was essentially
1: Oh no, we've lost Christy Lee. <laughs> a the, uh, the government is clearly listening to this episode <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're being censored. Uh, Coxie's been booted. I'm surprised I wasn't booted first. I'm normally the one with the big I mouth know. and, the, and the, uh, the big opinions on this stuff, listeners. So... Um, I just want to do a quick plug, Nick, while we wait for Christy Lee to jump yeah. back on the, uh, the session here. <clears throat> uh, listeners, if you have done what I've been doing, and I suspect Coxie based on her facial expressions, as we listen to some of this stuff from Christy Lee, um, if you're feeling a bit like, holy moly, how the heck am I supposed to keep abreast of this stuff? How do I interpret it all? How do I know what's going on? How How do I figure out what I'm supposed to act on, not act on? I would implore you, and we don't often do this with our guests, Nick, No. and I haven't spoken to you about this, but I'm
2: just going to no, come I'm, right I'm out and say,
1: you listeners, you have to go and check out Christy Lee's offering. Um, she has a fantastic subscription service, um, so you can keep in touch with all of these changes. You get uh, a certain level of support and everything, like any subscription. I know At a time like this, a lot of us are looking at our subscriptions and we're probably looking to cut subscriptions to save a bit of money and improve our cash flow. This is one that I actually believe you ought to be signing up for because it could save you a buttload of money um, over the next 12 months or two years or whatever it might be that we have these, these new provisions coming in with the Labor government uh so please 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 we'll put the the details in the show notes um and in the description for this episode and as soon as christy lee jumps back i oh, will get her to, to plug it as well and give you the details but you really should go and uh join her um subscription um it's absolutely worth the money it's like i think it's like less than 100 bucks a month Nick, mm. from memory
0: it's very um, reasonable
1: and there's resources, there's uh, online training and support community and all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. um, that you would expect. So it's a fantastic option if you don't want to go spend big hourly rate dollars with a HR consultant um, and you get, you know, access to, as you've heard, Chrissy Lee's all over this stuff. And we think she's got a fantastic attitude um, towards the trades. Um, we do. She works with a lot of our Tradepreneur clients, mm. um, and I think that's just such an easy solution for you so you don't have to be flipping out about all these things that you're hearing. Um, and so, Christy Lee, you've just rejoined as I finish a sales plug for your business.
0: Um, but basically, They're coming after us, Christy Lee. Yeah, they're going to get us
1: in the end. Um, Christy Lee, can you just tell our listeners uh, where to find out about your subscription um, product because I think everybody ought to join that is just an absolute no brainer. Um, where should they go to find that?
2: Awesome, thank you. Um, if they just head over to peoplepoweredbusiness.com.au, they'll be able to get all the details there on that page. Um, or there's a link there to contact me if they want to get some more information.
1: Awesome. So uh, the unions are going to get us. Um, <laughs> and,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm locking my door tonight.
1: Yeah. Yep, they're all out to get us. And I think sometimes as employers, uh, it can certainly feel like that. You know, we, we feel like we're constantly under attack. We're the ones that have to carry the can on all these things. Uh, Nick and I don't probably need to talk about our experiences with, <laughs> um, you know, disagreements perhaps with mm-hmm. team members that uh, probably could have been avoided. And I, and I guess to mm-hmm. take some responsibility myself. As an employer over the years, I didn't do enough around relationship and culture and communication and all the stuff that could have probably avoided, maybe the worst of it. I think, you know, it might not have escalated to the stage that it did in my business where I, where I had a, a legal disagreement with a team member um, that cost a fair bit of cash. But uh, I think that's the other thing, you know, we've, we've plugged. Your advice and and your um, business and its its various forms, Christy Lee, I think the other thing, listeners, and this is another shameless one, is our tradiepreneurs are already working on this stuff and they're they're working on it not from a a get-your-ducks-in-a-row legal um, standpoint. They're working on it by creating a great business, becoming an employer of choice, building strong relationships with their team members, working on their culture based on the example you just gave before where, you know, you had... Uh, where we lost you, where it was like, you know, this one person just wasn't happy with anything that went on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think proactively managing our team so that we have a solid team and good communication can avoid, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't wouldn't throw a percentage around, but it can avoid a lot of these sorts of problems. And oftentimes our employees end up saying, it's cool, you know, we can work this out together instead of, um, here's your letter from Fair Work. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. your employees will absolutely, if they feel looked after, they're not going to throw you under the bus.
1: Cool. All right, well, that's the end of the episode. No, I'm only kidding. I
0: feel <laughs> yeah, like there's a whole lot of doom and gloom today, but we have given you the solution. It is, and I think these are some of the uh, more challenging things that we will face. It's quite a bit of challenge to look at this year and, If we do, and I think this is the theme of the day, if we do it proactively, then we can avoid a lot of the stress and drama that often comes with doing it retrospectively. Um, And we have those opportunities now if we are looking to the right people to get that understanding, the learnings, um, and the clear, I guess, direction that needs to be taken for our teams so that we can ensure that we have a positive outcome instead of a negative one because we still always have that element of control if we choose it. Mm-hmm. Than just getting overwhelmed. Like I, even I feel slightly overwhelmed at this point in time. <laughs>
2: so much to change. I didn't mean to overwhelm you. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> no, there's a solution for all of this, and it is if we stick our head in the sand, it's going to get hard work. But if yeah. we are just looking at what's coming, we're gradually, as we need to, implementing things, it will be able to get through all awesome.
0: Perfectly yeah. put. Christy Lee, a nice way to wrap up. Thank you. Love
1: it. Well, it's kind of been a pleasure to have you on the show, Christy Lee.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about less technical stuff next time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think that's the nature of the industry that you are in and, and I think it's really important and I'll reiterate uh, the value of having somebody like yourself on your team as an employer. If, if you're trying to do this and just wing it, I, I'm just going to come right out and say I think you're a fool. Mm-hmm. and you're going to cost yourself a lot of money at some stage. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the same stuff. I f- thought I could just do it all myself. It wasn't that hard. And, oh, come on, you know, seriously, until it wasn't fine. And then I was like, oh, I think I probably should get some advice in future. So um, being proactive and putting prevention strategies in place is a lot cheaper mm-hmm. and causes a lot less sleepless nights than trying to fix stuff after the fact. So um, peoplepoweredhr.com.au. Did I get that right, Christy Lee?
2: Peoplepoweredbusiness.com.au. Oh, Although that no, URL will probably wrong. get you
1: there. <laughs> people Powered and Business. HR there you go. Yep. Um, we'll people Business. Go and check out Christy Lee's stuff. Uh, you obviously know where to find us at Tradies in Business. You can hit our website uh, if you want to be a better business owner and a tradie. And uh, apart from that, Christy Lee, thank you. That's been um, very you. enlightening. And now no. I'm going to go and drink some of that wine we talked about.
2: <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradesandbusiness.com.au.